It's The Takeaway. I'm Janae Pierre, in for Melissa Harris-Perry. Today marks the last day of Black Maternal Health Week, a week that sheds light on the rise of maternal mortality in the U.S. A recent report from the CDC found that since the pandemic, there has been a 40% increase in maternal deaths. That is unacceptably high. Women in our nation are dying at a higher rate than any other developed nation in our world. As Vice President Kamala Harris remarks, Black women bear the burden of this inequity. And think about it, regardless of income level, regardless of education level, Black women, Native women, women who live in rural areas are more likely to die or be left scared or scarred from an experience that should be safe and should be a joyful one. Black women are over three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than white women. Babies born to Black mothers are half as likely to survive their first year. Black women experience policing, coercion, and disempowerment that takes away agency during a time that should be a celebration of welcoming new life into this world. To help us round out Black Maternal Health Week, we're speaking with Loretta Ross. She's an activist, educator, author, and co-founder of Sister Song, Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective. Loretta is currently an associate professor for the study of women and gender at Smith College. Loretta, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me on your show. I want to begin our conversation discussing the Dobbs decision and the subsequent decisions nationwide that have restricted abortion access. Could you sort of contextualize this moment we're in right now? I believe the people who are opposed to abortion read Republicans have been using abortion as a political football, as a way to firm up their grasp on power. In other words, I always say they cheat because they can't compete. Because whenever abortion is put to the ballot, the people vote to support women's human rights. And so they cheat judicially. They made sure they appointed judges that could help them consolidate their political power because I don't honestly think that the people in the leadership of the Republican Party honestly care about children. Because if they did, they'd care about them once they were here. They would curb gun violence, for example. And so I think it's a matter of holding on to political power. And furthermore, I think you don't even understand the impact of the Dobbs decision if you don't have an intersectional analysis that includes race and gender, because I don't believe they want more black or brown babies born. I mean, they kill the ones we have. This is about manipulating the fertility of white women. And if white women don't understand that, they're only seeing half of the picture. I want to stay there a bit and talk more about elected officials. We heard from Democratic Vice President Kamala Harris at the top talking about maternal health. But, you know, this hasn't always been a Democratic issue, right? Justice Blackman on the Supreme Court wrote the Roe decision, and he was appointed by former President Nixon. Talk to me a bit about that. Well, back then, there were pro-choice Republicans. I mean, Nixon is the president that funded family planning. I mean, George Bush's father, Preston Bush, was on the board of Planned Parenthood. 
It wasn't until the 1970s when Ronald Reagan started organizing the segregationists, uh, the people opposed to women's rights, gay rights, immigration, into a coalition so he could become president in 1980, that it became verboten for there to be a pro-choice Republican, someone who supported family planning and women's rights. So this is a fairly recent development. It has not always been the case. You're one of the creators of what we now understand as reproductive justice theory. Could you help us understand exactly what that is? Reproductive justice is a new way of talking about reproductive politics created by 12 Black women in June of 1994 because we wanted to go beyond the limited pro-choice, pro-life binary that only focused on abortion because we do support abortion and birth control and sex education. But as Black women, we also have to fight equally hard for the right to have the children that we want to have. And once the children are here, we fight for the right to raise them in safe and healthy environments. And that of course includes bodily autonomy, uh, the right to a gender identity. And so reproductive justice has been this transformative framework that has shown that it's about the right to have a child, the right not to have a child, the right to raise your children, and the right to control your own body. Mm -hmm. You wrote an article entitled The Color of Choice, White Supremacy and Reproductive Justice. And in that article, you argue that some women are encouraged to have children while others are discouraged. Talk about that. Well, we have always been subjected, by we, I'm saying women of color, Mm -hmm. have always been subjected to strategies of population control or what's known as eugenics. Eugenics is a white supremacist obsession with improving the white race. By definition, there's positive eugenics where they increase white, when they encourage white people to have more children and have better babies. And we're going to see more of that with all of this assisted reproductive technologies that's coming about. But they also have negative eugenics where they want to prevent certain populations from having children. And that, of course, includes Black people, brown people, people who are disabled, uh, people of the wrong sexual or gender identity, etc. And we still have that kind of eugenical thinking taking place together. Because, for example, when Black women have babies, is seen as a problem for society, either a criminal problem or an educational problem or an environmental problem. I mean, our wounds were even blamed for the mortgage crisis. And so we are always problematized. And that's why we have to fight so hard for our dignity and for our human rights. All right, quick break. Back with more from Loretta Ross from Smith College right after this. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.
Okay, we're back with Professor Loretta Ross from Smith College. She's also the founder of Sister Song, Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective. You know, as we end Black Maternal Health Week, I'm just wondering, why do Black women still, still not get the care that they need today? I think because we misdiagnosed the problem. Mm. It is when you use a racist analysis, you think it's a matter of gene genes. But when you use a behavioral analysis, then you think people are just making the wrong life choices, not, you know, controlling their weight or preventing diabetes or too sedentary or choosing to live in the wrong neighborhood. But I think there's a third explanation. And the reason that Black infant and maternal mortality has not gone down is that third explanation, and this is called weathering. Whenever your body is under a constant fight or flight reaction, where your heartbeat goes up, your heart gets enlarged, your, your blood vessels constrict, you know, you breathe faster, your whole body is weathering the impact of all this potential harm and trauma that could come at you. Now, most times that, that fight or flight instinct should only be triggered when you actually are you know, experiencing extreme danger. But racism, white supremacy, sexism is creating this concussive, percussive impact on black women's bodies, but also the bodies of people who are poor. And, and, and interesting, it's not even a matter of class. And the body is not designed to be in permanent fight or flight mode. So we are weathering all of this sociological and social harm. And so by the time we get pregnant, we're already dealing with enlarged hearts, weakened blood vessels, a whole lot of aging complications that are usually only visible in other populations that don't experience that weathering much later in life. And it's leading us to early heart attacks, early onset diabetes. Even if we live longer, we live with more disabilities. So I think it's the third explanation that was created by, by the way, by a woman named Arlene Geronimus called weathering, that we have not integrated into understanding why Black maternal mortality has gone up instead of down. So, Professor Ross, what can Black women and women of color do to avoid all of this? Well, there's things we can do, but I don't want to assume that we can individually self-help ourselves out of white supremacy. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, that's not possible. Yeah. I mean, we do need more strategies for dealing with the micro and macro aggressions that we encounter every day. And we're always on permanent alert, particularly when you're in a situation where you don't know where that racist blow is gonna come from, where that sexist blow is gonna come from. So keeping our bodies in that high state of alert isn't good for them. So we can do somatic things to try to de-stress ourselves. Uh, we can certainly have stronger and more assertive conversations with our medical providers so that their medical racism doesn't get in, in the way. But you really can't self-help yourself. 
out of white supremacy. It's not just all in your head. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, does it surprise you at all that reproductive justice comes out of Black women's experience? No, because Black women are really familiar with creating very universalist theory to explain how the world works. I mean, it is rumored that all civilization began out of Black women's womb. So are we surprised? But no, I think that when Kimberly Crenshaw named intersectionality, she transformed the world. And I believe reproductive justice has had that same impact. It's not that you create something out of old whole cloth. What you've done is name a phenomena that changes how everybody sees something. I mean, Newton didn't invent gravity, but he certainly changed the world when he named it. And that's how, that's what we do with Black feminist theory. We change the world when we name things. Yeah. Loretta Ross is a co-founder of Sister Song Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective. In 2022, she was the recipient of a MacArthur Fellowship Genius Grant, and she's currently an associate professor for the study of women and gender at Smith College. Loretta, thanks so much for speaking with us today on The Takeaway. Thank you for having me on your show.